My name is Richard Morales, and I want to welcome you to The Prison Post. This is your podcast for conversations surrounding the need to reform prisons from the perspectives of formerly incarcerated people, community members, and leaders in the restorative justice movement. The Prison Post will feature an episode every Wednesday with people who are in the fight to restore lives and heal communities. Welcome to The Prison Post. My name is Richard Morales. This is my co-host with a great smile, Jason Bryant. Pretty good. Most days when I brush my teeth. <laughs> <laughs> He's also the director of restorative programs for crop organizations. And we have the pleasure of having on our show today, Jesse Fauché. Am I saying it right, Jesse? Yes. Something fun about saying Fauché. I know everybody loves it. Fauché, <laughs> Fauché. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not for show, for Shay. Uh, but um, it's good having you on on the show, Jesse. Uh, one of the things that I wanted to share with a lot of our viewers is that we are in the first cohort of crop organizations ready for life uh, program, career development program, and um, so we want to welcome you. Jason uh, meets with uh, all of our associates every Monday through Friday, five thirty to nine thirty. I'm on until seven o'clock for the leadership development portion. Jesse's our second associate to come on the podcast to share a little bit about his life and his story. Jesse, uh, we'll get into uh, a lot of the questions later on, but first I just wanna say that we appreciate your willingness to come on the show, to be with us, to share your story, to share your experience of Ready for Life so far. And uh, how are you doing today? I'm doing good and I really appreciate the opportunity to share my story with you guys. That's cool, that's cool. Um, Jesse, I want to share, share with our audience a little bit about you. You're a housing specialist for Adobe Services. Is that correct? Adobe Services? Uh, ab abode. abode. Abode Services. Abode Services. All right. I thought you were doing some software stuff with Adobe already. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> I know that you're an aspiring artist. Uh, I see some of your artwork in the background. We'll talk a little bit about that. You're the father of two boys, live and work in San Francisco. And it's your goal uh, to help a lot of homeless people because everybody should have a, a good place to live, a place that they can call home. We love some of the work you're doing with the homeless. Um, we just, again, no pressure to be on the show today. We just want to have a conversation. Jason's here. You're used to talking with Jay on a nightly basis, at least Monday through Friday anyways. And uh, I, think he's, I think he's used to Jay talking to him. So this is going to be a nice <laughs> event right here. Well, Jesse's, Jesse participates a lot, what I what I see too, but Jay does do a lot of the talking. And if I'm on there, then it's double trouble. <laughs> but uh, our goal on the podcast is probably for you to talk 70% of the time and us to talk less 30% uh, of the time. Uh, we know that you're an artist. We see some uh, work in the background. What type of art do you do? What's some of the, when did you first get into art? Um, what's the story there? So um, I want to say I got into art when I was really young. Um, I spent a lot of time in group homes and foster homes. So to kind of uh, shift my reality from where it was, I kind of just delved into art. Um, it was just a way to express my feelings and I kind of escape reality, I feel. Sure. What would you say is your, is your favorite piece of art? Um, that I've done? I don't know. It's so hard to say. Um, uh, I'm kind of liking this Joker I'm doing right now. You've seen it. It's pretty good. I have I seen like it. it. I have seen, I have seen it. It is excellent. Excellent yeah. job. Joaquin I think, 
Yeah, I think every new one I do, I was like, that's my new favorite. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's right. You know, you Jay's know, a big bad guy, so. Yes, I am. Batman's my guy. So, but that the movie, The Joker. So, the Joker that we're referring to is the most recent version with Joaquin Phoenix, mm-hmm. and Jesse did an outstanding uh, rendition. Is that the right word? A rendition yeah. of of that Joker version. It's it's great, and uh, I'm trying to negotiate a price with him right now because I want it. <laughs> <laughs> so, do you do? Do you do? Uh, we know you do some uh, tattoo work. Do you do pencils, paint, pins? What are all the types of forms that you use, and what are you uh, most comfortable with? Um, so I like like ink and graphite, but I originally like really when I got like serious with art, it was with like graffiti, you know, um, that was like my go-to. I mean, that kind of get me out of gangs. I want to say that's the only reason I enjoy gangs is I was a graffiti artist. So like we had our own little groups, you know, it, it didn't keep me out of trouble, but it kept me out of, uh, serious trouble, I'd say. Mm. Um, but I like all forms. Um, I'm, I got a new airbrush. I'm trying that out. I've dabble with it in the past but we never took it really serious and like this is the first time in my life where i've actually like, taken life serious i want to say i'm curious go ahead um 39 i just turned 39 okay so so my curiosity is because i see you got some ink and i you know i have a few tattoos but when did you make the transition like from you know tagging on walls to maybe painting and drawing to actually using a tattoo gun in prison. Oh, I was in prison. Okay. Yeah. Do you do you still do it out here? Yeah. It, what's the difference? Well, here's a big question I have. What's the difference between the, the the stuff you're using in prison and the stuff you're using out here, as far as ink and the guns? <laughs> um. So, like, I use there's coil guns with the with the uh, with the magnetic coils, and then there's rotary guns, which there's not too much of a difference. The only difference is like the the types of needles, how many. Um, the ink is way different from the ink used in prison. I mean, in prison ink, you pretty much burn anything to get soot and then make ink out of it, which isn't the most hygienic. So like the, <laughs> the, the that's not, I so the ink they have nowadays. Jesse, I don't think a lot of people know. I don't think a lot of people know what, what, what's something that you might burn for ink uh, in prison. And, uh, and, and also that for a person getting a cellmate, if they can get a tattoo guy, I mean, or an artist, Man, there you're like an all star in there. Yeah, uh, it, it definitely it's it's a blessing and a curse at the same time. Um, one of the things, I mean, my my go to was always baby burning baby oil in a candle, but that was always hazardous. You know, the CEO walks up, you got you know a candle burning in your locker, it's billowing smoke. I've actually been to the hole for <laughs> burning mm. paper bag. You know, uh, chess pieces burning chess pieces whatever you really, you can get your hands on you, prison is you have a uh, limited sources of things that you need. Sure. But it, it's a, it's a mother of invention though. You know, you'll figure it out. <laughs> that's, that's true. They say, that's what they say. Necessity is the mother of invention, right? And, uh, it is. One thing I'll say about being incarcerated is there's definitely no lack of talent or opportunities to find resources, right? When you're, right. When you're trying to, done and you got so much time it's like and if you've already inclined if you're already inclined to be artistic you know you're going to find a way to create some ink i've heard of chess pieces being burnt before oh yeah uh, and like the guitar the guitar strings for yeah, the needles the needles yeah yeah so it's interesting and then uh, i i know some other i have some other friends who actually uh came out and pursued a career in tattoo artistry 
and they were just tripping on like like you said the number of needles that are used in professional guns out here it's like three or four needles at a time well some of ours you i mean you could have up to 37 needles you know oh, it wow. just dep- depends on what you're doing a lot of the people that uh go for the the black tribal you have like double stacked magnums where you know it's just crazy it looks like a paintbrush you know okay. that's how it that's how the ink goes in your skin i mean it's it's pretty crazy i mean it's 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 insane how far it's come and it's 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 really cool how it's accepted as an art form as opposed to 20 years ago it wasn't right so so you you shared with jesse that you learned um tattooing while in, incarcerated mm-hmm. would you be willing to share a little bit of your story leading up to your incarceration uh yeah um so i struggled as a as a child um i didn't have a family um i was just kind of wayward didn't have a place to call home i spent a lot of time uh, in juvenile systems uh in the jail in the prison i want to i have six prison terms you know i have a pretty uh substantial amount of time under my belt on the insta like an installment plan you know and uh it just it's kind of sad because I just didn't have guidance. I wanted to do better, but I just didn't know how. And then when when you surround yourself with the people that you meet in prison or the people you went to prison with, Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, the outcome. Yeah. You mentioned being in and out of foster homes and uh, not having a family. Uh, If you don't mind, Jesse, like at at what age did you go into a foster home and and how did that happen? I mean, going back. um, So, um, I, so my mom and my dad got divorced when I was really young. I was living with my dad. My dad was arrested for armed robbery and he went to prison in Nevada for about 11 years. Uh, I was with my grandma at the time. Um, my mom came in the picture. I stayed with my mom. Um, my mom would get in trouble with the law. Uh, the cops would come take me and my sister. And then we'd go to this place in Las Vegas called Child Haven. And then when, you know, she'd get out of jail, she'd come get us. And then to the point to where CPS was involved, uh, they took us uh, and then we became wards of the state. So, so eventually through the foster care system, is there any connection there to becoming justice involved? Um, do you, are you going from house to house and not really having specific direction. How does that translate to eventually getting involved in criminality of some form? Well, um, I want to say that the foster care system and group homes um, are set up just like juvenile halls. Uh, some of the foster homes I went to were child kennels. Uh, people would get the maximum amount of kids they could. Um, a lot of them, they would try to get kids with psychological problems because they would make more money off each child. Mm-hmm. So it, when, it was just a child kennel. And then, you know, you have a lot of angry kids with no guidance uh, that have felt no love for the majority of their life. So they try to find uh, familiarity uh, and, 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 and friends in that kind of environment. And then, you know, that's the kind of people you attract, people that are angry, people that, sure. you know, are, are, are mad at, the, mad at the, the world because it, you feel like you were left out. Like everyone, you know, got something, but you didn't get nothing, you know, and then you want you like, you know, you I want that I want and it, it, it to a point. If you're so angry, you just don't care at what cost you, you want to get those things. Right. That's interesting that you're you're sharing that. I, I never knew that about the foster care system. I knew it wasn't optimal, but I didn't know that it was in very in many ways similar to the juvenile justice system. But when I'm because what I'm hearing you say now is that 
there's some parallels between the way the youth are treated in the foster care system and the criminal justice system and the way that people who are in prison and also reenter society are treated in a similar way because we've said it over and over and over again the reentry system as it exists is really an extension of the punishment model where you have a lot of organizations who are like maybe we're involved in housing we're involved in employment but they're not really investing in people they're just looking for ways to fill seats and get paid exactly. it sounds like the same thing was happening in the foster care system with you that's, it is that's really if you just look at it, I mean, you have a, a group of children that are unwanted that have nowhere to go. So you have to put them somewhere. And the same with criminals. You have people that are unwanted that have nowhere to go. So that's where you put mm-hmm. them. It's just a surplusing of individuals. It's a, right. it, there's no help there. You know, so, of course, there's not going to be any change. There's not going to be anything that's going to I mean, I'm sure in, in certain circumstances, people overcome that. But as a whole, I mean, it's not set up for that. Sure. Jesse, I'm, I'm sure that there's um, foster foster parents out there or, or foster homes out there that are, are are probably doing things the right way. But oh, but from, from from your experience, though, it was the first time I ever heard the term right now, child kennel. And mm-hmm. from your experience, um, I can't imagine what it'd be like to be a kid um, at what age you could share uh, and have this experience that they are just getting more and more kids so they can get more money. And um, um, I've often thought about the people that have seven or eight kids, all foster kids, and and it seems like they're living in squalor. And how is this being allowed? And are they they making them do parenting classes? Or what's going on here? It just didn't seem right to me when people had seven or eight. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the way it goes. I mean, uh, like you said, I'm sure there's lots of foster parents out there that really care and – uh, they go to get, you know, one or two kids, you know, to help them. They, they see kids that need, you know, often the times they're infants or you know, kids of small age. But when you're six and seven years old, you're not going to get a family that, hey, I want a seven year old kid. They want a child that's smaller. So you're just going to be just shuffled along through the system, just like just like you were just like criminals are. When, when you were, you know, when you first became justice involved, Jesse. And as you said, you did a significant amount of time on the installment plan. When did you start to get it that you wanted something different? And what was that something that you wanted? So um, it was it was about about six years ago. Um, I kind of really I was I was I was in um, Roseville, uh, Placer County Jail, and I was about to get out and I didn't know what to do. And I knew that. I was either going to change my life or spend the rest of my life in prison. And I had to make that choice. What am I going to do? You know, am I going to change my life or am I going to spend the rest of my life in prison? And I have to accept the answer that I'm going to give myself. And Mm -hmm. I wanted to change. And I knew that I couldn't do it by myself. And so once I got released, I went to San Francisco and I went to this place called Delancey street. That's like, Mm -hmm. it's like serious, serious, like behavioral modification therapy. And, uh, that's what I needed. Uh, I needed guidance. I needed help. I couldn't do it by myself. And the prison system, the jail, they're not like, hey, you know, when you get out, we're going to help you get some skills. We're going to give you a place to live. None of that applies. So you have to do it for yourself. And I couldn't do it by myself. I literally had to ask for help. Did you graduate from the Lancy Street program? Yeah. Yes, I did. 
You're, you're the only person that, that I've ever met that's graduated. I know there's, I know there's a lot more, but uh, I'm sure that I've heard about how tough that program is, even down to not seeing, you know, not seeing family, not making phone calls. Um, but congratulations on gra on graduating that program. Thank you. I know how it's pretty good for those who who need structure. It's pretty good. How long was it? I mean, uh, I was there for two years and six months, I think. Wow. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. That's a long program. It's serious. Oh, yeah. And you, you don't talk to anyone up until so if you have a child or a, a significant other or family, you don't talk to them for 18 months. Wow. Yeah. That's tough. It That's is tough. Tough. But based yeah, on results, you were, based on results, you were up for it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I had no choice. I had to yeah. change. And whatever whatever that entailed, I was willing to accept it. That's great. It's a great perspective. And I'm sure those who love you are willing to are willing to wait, knowing that you're making the best choice for you to not be to not get that seven term to go to continue the revolving door system. Do you remember that aha moment for you or, uh, while you were incarcerated? Was it you know laying on your bed one night or, or when you said you made that I had to make that decision for myself? Was it a moment or was it a gradual process? I mean, it's been, it had been a gradual process, but like that night, like I just. I'm, I stopped playing with myself. You know what I mean? I stopped playing games. And then, you know, that, that dialogue that you like, Oh, well I could do it. Maybe I'll try. Like, I was just, I was like, I committed, like I have to either accept that I'm going to prison for the rest of my life or that I'm going to change my life. And then that's it. And that's all. Sounds like and you had been, some resolve. Oh, Go ahead. Yeah. Jay. I was going to say, there's been no looking back. No, it hasn't. We had a conversation on Thursday and you were talking about, we we're, were having a conversation about promises and it was about the promises that we keep to ourselves. And you were the only person in our whole class who said that you keep hundred percent for yourself. The promises. I you do. I do. Cause yeah, I mean, you, you have to, you have to, I mean, there's no uh, sitting on the fence. You're either mm -hmm. in or you're out, you know? And once I decide that I'm in, like I give it all my, I got, because I have no, I have nothing else. You, you know what I mean? Uh, I, someone said it. Why accept failure when uh, success is free? Dang. There you go. That's great. That's that's deep. And I'll and I'll say it's not just words for you. I mean, you, with the exception of your birthday, where you had an excused <laughs> absence, you've been at every class on time. And we have we actually have a component of our program uh, that's digital literacy. And you know what our commitment was as an organization was that we were going to. Uh, you know, stand alongside and support our associates all the way up and through the level one certification. And within two weeks, Jesse finished all three. There's three levels that you can go through on his own initiative. So uh, definitely a go-getter and, and, you know, it's, it's an admirable quality to keep the promises uh, to yourself and to others. So commend you on that as well. Thank you. Jesse, how did you first hear about Crops Ready for Life program and what was appealing uh, about it to you? Um, so someone uh, that's close to me had sent me an email uh, and she's like, oh, you might be interested in this. And I did a little background. And then when I seen that you and everyone in crop uh, was just motivated about changing reentry and helping people that were just as involved, I was on board 100 percent. Let's talk about that real quick about reentry and what challenges have you experienced before with reentry? What, what do you think about the reentry model that you've been used to versus 
our reentry model, you know, our one of our taglines is reimagining reentry. And, um, you know, we've said it before on the show, we have leadership development, um, career development, uh, digital literacy, financial literacy training. Uh, in the future, we'll have the housing component, um, business to business sales training, employer development. And, and then you also work with, with Jason and I, two former lifers, you know, um, and a team of all proximate leaders, a team of five formerly incarcerated directors that were all at one time sentenced to life. What, what are some of the differences that from the reentry and the other terms that you've been a part of versus the Crops Ready for Life program? So reentry, uh, as definition of, from the California Department of Corrections is a joke, to be honest with you guys. Like, there's no reentry. There's everything that you guys are doing with us right now embodies what we need to reenter society. Everything from team leadership to financial literacy. These are the things that they don't teach you. You don't learn in prison. When you get out, you need to know these things. You need to have these job skills. You need to be able to talk to people. You need to be able to interview correctly. And these things, when you get out of jail and prison, they don't offer any of that. You know, and so if once you try to uh, enter the job, the workforce, you know, with no skills, no social uh, cues, not knowing how to interview, like any of that, not even if you were to get a job, how to control your money, like none of that is they don't teach you any of that. So what you guys are doing is marvelous because everything that you teach, we need to know. Appreciate that. And I, I, one of the things I think about is, is the digital aspect, right? Like technology is always moving so quick. And one thing that's for certain when you're in prison or when you're in justice involved, one thing you don't have access to is technology. I exactly. mean, even if you, even if you're able to get your hands on one of those, those things illegally, whatever, you're mm -hmm. only going to know so much. There's so much more when you're talking about how to work a laptop and how to work a Gmail and, and Outlook and, and, and those things just aren't made available to us when we're inside. So that's, that's particularly great importance too, I think. Um, so just to add on to what Jesse's sharing about the, the lack of what's available in the reentry space. And uh, you know, I'm, I'm glad that we're, we seem to be getting it right uh, and what people need. I guess we should know because we lived it too, right? So Absolutely. Jason talked about you finishing the IC3 uh, digital literacy training super quick, going through it on your own, being fully invested. If there was one thing that, that stuck out to you so far that may be life-changing, transformational, something that, you know, on the spot, if you were asked, you know, what has been the most important aspect of the program so far, what would it be? Um, just being able to navigate different platforms uh, in, in digital literacy. Um, everyone, well, I can't say everyone, but most people know how to start an email. But being able to navigate through the Excel and all these different uh, programs that, you know, companies that want to employ, you need to know. Um, mm -hmm. It's super important. Uh, I want to say, like, I felt I was digitally literate, uh, but... I hit some things where I would just get frustrated, like, ah, oh, I don't know how this works and what do I got to do? Like it would, <laughs> it would literally frustrate me and going through uh, the class really helped to, oh, it's really easy. Like, cause it gives you guided, oh, this is what you do. It's like, oh, why would I get so frustrated when I was doing this? It's cause I wasn't shown how to do it properly. So this sure. is like, it's so beneficial. Like, so the job I'm working right now, I'm going through the training, I'm using Salesforce platforms and it touches on that in the digital literacy. So things I've learned, and just through the classes and the little, you know, uh, tests and labs that I've been doing have helped me to go through my trainings in my job right now. 
That's great. Absolutely. What do you hope to get out of the Ready for Life program, Jesse? I mean, uh, graduation, what is it, Jason, a couple months away, uh, four months away? Yeah, the end of October. End of October. Um, I would just like, you know, a chance to work in the field of tech, you know, uh, tech sales. Um, that's what eventually what I'd like to get uh, ultimately. But what I'm learning every day from, you know, uh, the facilitators, you guys, and, and, you know, my classmates is priceless. There's little lessons, like little bits of just gold that in our conversations that come out. And like some days I have to sit back, I'm like, wow, you know, holy crap. You know, that's so true. Like philosophically, like, you know, like one of the speakers said, like, we're, it, it's crazy. The things that we talk about sometimes it's I wish it, sometimes I have to write stuff down. I'm like, Oh, wow. That's, you know, and, and it sticks, it sticks because I care about it. And, and it's, and I care about the people I'm doing this class with. Let's go. Where do you see yourself 10 years from now, Jesse? 10 years, 10 years, 10 years. I would really like to get on the ground floor of my own nonprofit. Um, I would like to be paying on my own home. Um, I would like to be debt free besides, you know, the mortgage that I owe. Uh, that's my 10 year plan. That's right. So a nonprofit, what, uh, executive director, ED? ED. ED. That's right. ED of the nonprofit, homeowner with a mortgage. I'm going to tell you right now, are you going to be in the Bay Area? I don't know. I don't know. It's, I, I might, I might leave San Francisco though. I might go maybe a little bit more South. All right. Well, I was going to say, if you're going to have, if you're going to be a homeowner in the Bay Area, you're going to have a lot of debt. Oh, I know. <laughs> really high. Well, that's, that's a great, that's a great vision, bro. And uh, you're up for it. You're up for Absolutely. it. And Jesse, what about the community that we've been able to create over the last couple of months? We have a really diverse community. You talked about some of those sound bites, whether they're philosophical or applicational. Um, wh what would you say about the community we've been able to create? I mean, Ideally, we're all together, you know, whether it's in a classroom or in an environment, uh, long term housing, uh, you know, we're, 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 our goal is to get funding so that everybody be able to live there. Not the Lancy Street, you know, two and a half years, mm -hmm. but a year program, thousand dollar a month stipend, um, on site trainers, you know, counseling services, all that. But we've been on uh, Zoom calls uh, two months in a row, uh, almost, I think. And, um, you know, what about that community that, that, that would you say about it? What would you say about it? I mean, I've, I've feel like all my classmates and I, I look at you guys as friends, not just my facilitators. Like I, there's a community that we've built that's just getting stronger and stronger every day. Um, as opposed from me, um, having acquaintances and people that I've known from the streets and in prison, uh, what my goals were then to where my goals are now is completely different. Um, it's what they say, birds of a feather flock together. So when you want to be successful, you surround yourself with people that want to be successful too. And therefore you will succeed. Yes, absolutely. The other thing that I would ask is, you know, you talked about parole and I think there's this mindset out here that when people come out to parole and, you know, Jason and I are still on parole. You know, we, we might have anywhere from nine months left to a few months left. And and I know that, that there's opportunities to appeal to the board. But I think the 
average citizen thinks that there's so many resources available. And, and, and would you talk about crops, the part of crops program where not only you get the leadership development, financial and digital literacy, career track development and business to business sales, but also get paid a thousand dollar stipend to do it. And it ain't about mm -hmm. tooting our own horn, but we really think that there's something to that, to providing, you know, a supplemental income because Jesse, don't you work a full-time job as well? Yeah, I do. Okay. So you, you're working, well, uh, you know, eight hour a day job, and then you come on from five 30 to nine 30 at night with Jason. What's that been like? It's tough. Some days, some days I'm just exhausted, you know, but I got to be present maximum participation. And I think that every time I'm like, you know what, I just want to send Jesse an email. I'm not feeling it today, but there's more important things to be done. You know, more important hey. things to be done. No matter how tired I am, it's, the knowledge that I get from this class. I just, I couldn't miss a day. Did, let me ask this, Jesse, did you work today? Yeah, I did. Your job? I just, okay, I so, just came, I just came in right now. So I just want to say this, here's a testament to commitment. It's yep. a real test commitment. He worked today. What, what time did you get up to go to work? Uh, I was at work at eight. Eight o'clock AM, worked his eight hour day, came home, jumped on a podcast with Rich and I, and in 14 minutes, our class starts yes. until 930. So I just want to, I just want, like, I want to use yeah. that as not only a landing point, but like an example of what commitment looks like. Thank you. And of what hard work looks like. And I, I get a little choked up just thinking about it, bud. Because <clears throat> I know you got two, two beautiful boys that you love and you're, you're working hard to create a great future for them. And uh, that's what it looks like. That's what it looks like to be <clears throat> committed to something brighter for your future. And and I'm just super proud to know you. Super proud that you're a part of this team and to be working with you. Proud to be yeah. part of the team, I say. And so many people talk about like, what does it take to get into your program? How could I get into your program? Well, it's not it's not too hard, you know, to fill out the application to have the interview. But do you have the commitment? Here's a guy. Uh, on the prison post, number 31, Jesse Fauché. And here's a guy who's working full-time. He's a father. It ain't going to be forever. It's six months, two months down. And he's he's uh, creating the time, creating the space, because like my grandpa used to say, you can pay now and, uh, and play later, or you can play now and pay later. And Jesse's put paying his dues. He's uh, He's working hard. And we appreciate you. We appreciate your your full participation. Like you said, it equals maximum value. You'll be the one um, on the back end of this, you know, making a livable wage, opening up your own nonprofit. I, I hope that it's somehow combined to with art and and, and um, maybe all the technical skills that you learn is combined with your you know your business savvy behind your your tattoo work. Yeah, I don't know. The sky's the limit, man. Who's to say a person can only have one business, multiple businesses? Uh, multiple nonprofits. I just see you out there, man, and, and even the work you're doing with the homeless right now. Um, you talk about transforming the narratives of people in America and the way they think about people that were in prison. And they generally think, oh, you know, they're a revolving door. And, and, and some are. And even Jesse talked about, hey, in and out six times. But at some point, I said, enough's enough. And now mm -hmm. here's the path I'm on. So uh, how does that feel today, Jesse? It feels good. Um, you know, just you can't quit on anyone, you know, uh, 
never know when somebody needs the opportunity or is just going to wake up one day. You know, it's it's easy to get uh, clouded with anger and resentment and, 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 and loneliness and not having a family and all these things combined, the dynamic that it makes you feel, you just, you feel like the world is given up on you. So you just give up on the world, you know? Mm. And then, and, and, and then some days, you know, uh, one day you just wake up, you know, like it's, it doesn't matter if the world gave up on me. It's a, what do I want from the world? Like, what do I want with my life? Do I want to just sit in a cell and die? Or do I want to actually do something? Do I do do I want to you know look at my kids through glass for the rest of my life? You know, or do I want to hold them and celebrate their birthdays every year and watch them grow up and, and get married and have their own families? That's what I want. It doesn't matter what the world's trying to offer me, it's what I want from it. And that's that's what it takes. That's right. That's right. Appreciate Jason, that, Jason. Yeah. Go ahead, Jason. Oh, I was just gonna say I appreciate it, man. And his his perspective is spot on about what it takes. And I just feel, I feel super grateful to be in a position working for an organization that provides opportunities for individuals like Jesse Foshe, uh, because that's what it's about for me. Uh, Absolutely. That's all. Jesse, uh, the last question I would ask is future associates, you know, what we call uh, associates, but a lot of people would say the participants in the program, participants in crops first cohort of ready for life, I mean, you just described somebody who's ready for life, ready to live, ready to you know live out a future worth having. And and what I wanted to say is future participants will watch this podcast and they'll be thinking about whether they should go through the six month training or the one year program. So if you had any closing words for them, what would you say? I mean, why? Why think of it like, uh, you know, six months or one year um, when you have like a lifetime, you know, um, what do you want out of life? I mean, do you have all the skills and all the opportunities to make that happen for yourself? Or do you need those skills and do you need people to help you with those opportunities? And if you do, then, I mean, it really doesn't matter how long it takes or what you need to do to get it. You just need to do it. Mm. That's it. Closing words. Clarity of purpose. I mean, well said. Yep. Get clear in your purpose. What do you want for your future? And what's it going to take for me to get from where I am to where I want to go? Exactly. And, and like I said, just super grateful to be a part of that resource for Jesse and other individuals who want something new for their lives. Absolutely. Yeah, man. Um, I'll say one last thing about uh, Jesse. And we're a lot alike in this way. He said that when I first met him in our three-day workshop, he said that uh, he was terrified of, of public speaking. And here we are on a podcast. This guy's killing it. Uh, <laughs> I, I got more ums and ahs and, and trying to think of what I'm going to say than Jesse does. He's just naturally flowing. And that's because when you become passionate and you care about what you're doing, um, it's just a natural expression of who you are. Thank you for coming on the Prison Post podcast to share about your story and your experience with reentry and ready for life. Jesse, look forward to spending the next few months with you hooking up at a barbecue or wherever we get to get, get together. Thank you for your investment in, in us and we'll continue to invest in you. Anybody looking to uh, listen to the prison post, you can find us on YouTube or all across social media. Um, and also look up crop organization at our website, croporganization.org to learn more about our ready for life program and when the next cohort will start. So this is another episode of the prison post. Thank you, Jesse. Thank you, Jason. Thank you. 
Thank you for listening to The Prison Post, a production of the Crop Organization. We'll be sharing more stories from the world of prison reform and restorative justice, so please join us. You can listen to The Prison Post on all major podcasting platforms. Subscribe to our video cast on YouTube and like us on Facebook at The Prison Post and at Creating Restorative Opportunities and Programs.